0: This episode of the Bamboo Pastors podcast has been brought to you by Resource Global. Resource Global is an organization whose mission is to teach, mentor, and connect emerging Christian marketplace leaders around the world so that they can renew their workplaces and cities for the gospel. From Jakarta to Singapore, from Nairobi to Johannesburg, and from Austin to cities worldwide, Resource Global is bringing these leaders together to learn from like-minded leaders in their own cities, as well as leaders from around the globe. To find out more about the work of Resource Global, please visit resourceglobal.org.
1: Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. That is John Mon. I'm Jalen Chan, and we are your hosts. Uh, John, it's always good to talk with you. Always good to see you. How are you doing? What's up, Jalen? Uh, it's good to see you through the screen. It's better to see
0: you in person, though. So I'm very glad that this past week I was home for vacation for the holidays and uh, was able to hang out with you and your family for. One day, and so I'm back now in San Jose. I'm doing okay. You know, I think the first (laughs) literally today is the first day back in the office after a week away. So it always feels like, oh, have I been gone for six months? Because that's what it feels like. The emails I have to respond to, or you know, I I try like I try not to work when I'm actually on vacation um, intentionally to protect you know rest and Sabbath and things like that. But right. yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Otherwise, so uh, before I ask you how you're doing, though, I do mm-hmm. want to mention that people may have noticed that we have a new sponsorship, um, which I think that pre-roll should have went out with this episode. And so we're going to talk about that in a moment, but I just want people to not be confused and as a as a preview of, of later. So, yes. But yeah, how have you been? Um, you know, how was your I guess, how was your Thanksgiving? Because we saw each other right before Thanksgiving and then right. weren't able to connect after that before I left Chicago.
1: Yeah, it was it was good. It was a slow buildup to a very busy end of the week. Uh, we had some college students over who were back from school. And then uh, we had an out-of-town uh, friend, one of Jenny's best friends, actually. Um, she was staying with us for a few days. And then it just kind of built... We had uh, a couple, we had two or three Thanksgiving meals, um, you know, with family and with different family and Jenny's sister was in town visiting. And so we just had a lot of different people that we saw, got a lot of different places that we went to. And so it was just really exhausting and tiring. Uh, and then just kind of come came, came right back into, you know, the, the, the full swing of ministry and school. And um, my oldest started his basketball season uh, today is his first game. And so I think I told you last year, right? Like in my attempts to get him to be more aggressive at the game, I've been offering to pay him money for his stats, right? <laughs> and so uh so yeah, tonight was first game. He shot three for six overall, uh, two for five from three point land, two rebounds, a steal, and a turnover. Um, and so you know, you do that over like uh, you know, like a 30 minute per game. Yeah that's a pretty good stat line. Yeah, so, his
0: his efficiency rating must be through the roof.
1: Actually. Yeah, if he shot I mean technically he didn't shoot any free throws so he's 100%, right? Or yeah. 0% either way. But uh that's a 50 40 that's a 50 40 100, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, the 50% <laughs> from the field, 40% from three point range will get you a will get you an NBA contract. And technically I guess if you are paying him Yeah. he is he is a professional athlete. There you go. Sort
1: of. He got a steal too, so he's three and he's a three and he's a three and okay. a player. Nice. So we're working on some height. We're working on a little bit more, you know, aggression, but yeah, yeah in addition to, to being basketball season, a couple of guys from our church, we've been wanting to watch some um, basketball games live together. We talked about how the Bulls are just terrible. And so it's so hard to watch the Bulls. We realized actually, though, that the Milwaukee Bucks have a great team. Of course, we don't cheer for the Bucks. Well, we do have people in our church who are Bucks fans, unfortunately. But we realized that going up to Milwaukee would take just as long for us in the northern suburbs of Chicago uh, as it would to take to drive down to downtown for the Chicago uh, for the Chicago Bulls. And so we have a trip coming up, uh, a couple families. We're going to drive up to Milwaukee um, on a Sunday, actually, after worship service and then hang out in Milwaukee for a little bit, watch the game. And, um... Are they are they playing the Bulls that week or a different opponent? No, it's they're playing the Houston Rockets, but we purposely did not want them to face the Bulls. We don't want to watch them play the Bulls because obviously they're going to get you know the Bulls are going to get killed by the Bucks, mm-hmm. and so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to go watch Damian Lillard and Giannis, yeah. and that'll be fun. So, <laughs> that's,
0: uh, so the whole family's going to go for that.
1: Uh, I'm taking the older the three. Older, three. Yeah. okay,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I imagine the tickets in Milwaukee are, despite being the better team, still cheaper than watching at that's UC. right. So yeah,
1: it's cheaper than watching the bulls. It's a yeah. better product. It's just as far, more close.
0: Oh man, you know, speaking of Midwest travel, actually for part of my trip uh, back this past week, I did drive down to St. Louis with my family to visit my cousins. And so that was a really good trip. Uh, but what I was going to say on the podcast is I want to give a shout out to Ben Zhang, who was uh, one of our very first guests. I think we had him on in the first season in the first 10 episodes or so. Uh, and and ben still is a faithful listener um, to the podcast and so i wanted to just give him a shout out here because uh, ben was one of my first ministry mentors i interned for him when i was starting um, in youth ministry and so uh, but speaking of friends and mentors and people who we go way back with uh, our guest tonight is one of those people and like i said earlier i wanted to tie this all together because we do have a new uh, we're announcing a a new sponsor, sort of, um, but the sponsorship sponsorship connection is through the same person, is through one of our good friends who we have known since our, uh, probably since we were in high school. Um, uh, and so we have Tommy Lee uh, on the podcast with us. And Tommy is the founder and president of Resource Global. Um, Resource Global is an organization whose mission is to teach, mentor, and connect um, emerging Christian marketplace leaders around the world. And they do that with um, cohorts in cities all over um, the world and um, you know it's just a joy to have tommy on with us Uh, an added little fact is for uh, I think I mentioned. Maybe months ago at this point um, that I was starting a a ministry leadership program uh, in a Grad school program and so in my current class I had to interview the head of a uh, of an organization. And so I asked Tommy, because of our of our friendship, if he'd be willing to let me do like a a one hour interview and Tommy very graciously um, hung out with me on Zoom and I uh, asked him a bunch of questions about Resource Global and had to write a paper about it. And I'm proud to report that I got 100 percent on that on that assignment. So, hey, Tommy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being our friend, our sponsor, for helping me pass this class. Um, And it's just great having you on the podcast with us today.
2: Well, I was trying to get my other group, uh, podcast that I do, NFL Fantasy Matchup, to be your <laughs> sponsor. But you guys said no and you want something Christian. So I guess Resource Global has to, has to be your sponsor, all right?
1: <laughs> Tommy, thank you so much for doing that. Um, we're, we're excited about what you're doing with Resource Global. And I, we kind of wanted to focus a little bit of our, our episode today on you know, developing leaders because that's what you do a lot with Resource Global. But could you share a little bit briefly about maybe an update on on the ministry that you're doing with Resource Global, but then also maybe sort of the journey that you took to get to where you are, because you're doing a lot of things, you know, as John said, like you're global, right? You're doing things in cities all across the world. Uh, You've worked with several organizations and very um, influential leaders. And, you know, I I think it'd be be helpful for us to hear just sort of the journey that you've taken and uh, where you're at now.
2: Look, Jalen, John, I never thought Resource Global would get to where it's at right now. We were literally sent by a foundation, and they said, hey, look, China's uh, closing up. India, we're, it's closing up. We're having some problems with there. Tommy, I need you to go to Southeast Asia and find me a creative way to do global missions. And so they sent me over to Jakarta, and so they gave me a grant. And after about two years, eight trips later, they said, what's your, what's your suggestion? I said, look, there's no shortage of ministries over there. And a lot of times you can keep funny and all that stuff, but man, I came across these young Christian marketplace leaders. Chinese Indonesians that make up 20% of the population in Indonesia, but they make up 80% of the economy. Indonesia is 13,000 islands and Jakarta itself has 12, 13 million people. You work with those individuals, many of those Chinese Indonesians went and came to Stanford, MIT, Harvard, Yale, University of Michigan, Northwestern, all of that stuff now have gone home. They're now working for their family businesses. They're now working for their startups. Work with those guys. Help them integrate their faith in their work. Help them think through a biblical grid. Help them look through everything through a biblical lens then allow them and challenge them to make a difference in their cities, because automatically they are instant millionaires when they get home. How do you take those individuals and really make a difference in their city? What grew to Jakarta, Indonesia, then went to Maidan over Indonesia, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, Penang, Hong Kong, Nairobi, Johannesburg, Cape Town, Pretoria, uh, Austin, now this year, Los Angeles, Cluj, and we're looking at Tokyo as well too. And so suddenly it became 15 cities of all these young leaders learning from each other within their cities. And how does Singapore learn from Nairobi? Nairobi learn from Hong Kong. Hong Kong learn from Austin. You create a global community and people like a Pat Gelsinger from Intel Wireless. You have a Bob Dole or Andy Crouch or a Katherine Larry Miss Missy Wallace wonderful people who have really come alongside and helped us out. So uh, I never thought we would be where we are. John and Jalen, I never thought we would be where we are.
1: Yeah. I think that one thing that I'm I'm really struck by is just the opportunity that you have to connect with all these different leaders and uh, marketplace leaders, right. But also those who are going to be influential in their country and their cities. um, And these are believers and just the incredible opportunity that is to, to share the gospel and to spread the gospel and I think that, like, for you having an opportunity to meet all these people, uh, and just your personality comes out as being, you know, this very, um, you know, gregarious, outgoing kind of guy. But I know that you're actually quite introverted, right? Very introverted. And, and I think that uh, you know you project this sort of personality uh, publicly, but more personally, you're 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 very much an introvert. And I think part of that too is um, for you having to learn how to how to connect with leaders and to connect with people in a way that maybe is outside of your comfort zone. Um, and, and thinking through that, I, I'm interested in thinking about, you know, how have you worked through some of your insecurities uh, to get to where you are, to be able to communicate with people, to connect with people, because, you know, the things that you're doing and the people that you're connecting with, it takes, you know, a certain, a certain personality to get along with, with people like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John and Jay, I'm going to try to make this short as well too. My parents immigrated to Chicago in 1972. I was born in 1977. We grew up in the Chinatown area, but also in the area of Bridgeport where we were probably one of the only Asians in that, that was about 80% Asian in that entire neighborhood. I still remember being bullied and made fun of all of that stuff just because we were the minority group. For me, a lot of times, I grew up, and we were sent to church by my parents because we had to learn social skills. I was a chubby kid that wasn't always very smart growing up. I had to work hard for what I had to do. I have a younger sister who's a couple years younger than I am who was absolutely brilliant. Perfect SATs, perfect ACTs. My brother, a lot of times, my twin brother's two minutes older, also things came naturally. I was the one who had to work through some of those things. And I will probably say John and Jalen is all throughout my high school, I had to deal with bullying. I had to deal with people just messing with you and making fun of me to the point where I hated myself in the mirror and I dealt with so much anger. And it wasn't until I got to our church over in Chinatown that David Lin was a youth pastor who really invested in me. I came to know the Lord. But here's the problem that I dug myself into and it took me over 15 years to deal with that. As much as I love the Lord and came to know the Lord, John Jay, is I started looking to and loving the fact that people say, Tommy, you do a good job when you do ministry. Tommy, wow, you're you're really good at this. I started eating it up. And I really, for the first time in my life, people in the church said something good about me. And I kept doing things to get their attention. As much as I love the Lord, there was a part of me. That kept doing things for attention and that stuck with me all throughout my high school that stuck with me all throughout my college that stuck with me when I came back from. King, uh, and worked with you guys in high school in college as much, and I tell people all the time as much as I love the Lord I loved working with you guys so much. There was a part of me that just wanted affirmation and I realized when I was graduating from seminary I had an issue that I had to deal with. I had to come grips to all these different things. Jay, I'm not sure if you, I told you, I I shared this with John during our uh, thing is, uh, I sat there with our elders in our Chinese church right before I graduated. And I said, hey, look, I would love an internship at our church. And I would love, my dream job is to work at this church full time. But can I share with you guys something? I have issues in my life that I really need to share with you guys. I struggle with insecurity. And I struggle with people pleasing and I do things for personal gain. And these are my, I need you to hold me accountable. Well, those elders, I didn't exactly get along with those guys. I, I won't forget this. They said, hey, look, you have heart issues in your life that we believe not only disqualifies you from an internship here at this church, but disqualifies you from ministry. There is no role for you here at this church. I was shocked. I. Look guys, I grew up in this church for 18 years. I served with you guys as a volunteer. I gave you everything I have. Wow, you guys got rid of me. And the following week I sat there and the church bulletin was, Tommy Lee has decided to take a a step down from the ministry. All right, that was news to me. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I got fired. And that hurt me badly. And I dealt with so much anger for so long. That Jay and John, I ended up in counseling for two years to deal with my anger. And that's when that counselor helped me to come to grips with the insecurities, the angers and all that stuff. But it was because of the fact that the doors for with my time at the Chinese church closed that then I worked at the Korean church where I met a brand new type exposed to different things, different ways of doing ministry. I met some wonderful friends. I then got hired at Moody Bible Institute as special assistant to the president at Moody Bible Institute. Then from that point, on, I got experiences working with Lausanne Inner varsity, all that group. And that's where how resource global started. And I would probably say if I got that job in the Chinese church, I, resource global would have never been able to start. So God works in his mysterious ways.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I think it's so interesting to think about how, you know, even in, in some of the pain that you've experienced both as a young person and also the pain you experienced in this you know uh in just one of the stops uh, of ministry though i'm I'm sure there have been other painful moments um and yet god uses them redeems them right and kind of re um redefine some of those painful moments for good and so i think that's that's a testimony of of god's faithfulness and goodness one of the things that you were saying, um, as I was listening, to you share about this, and I have, you know, I've heard you talk about this a little bit on and off in our conversations together. Um, something I was thinking about was, I think different people respond to insecurity differently, right? For you, it sounds like for a lot of it, your response was, you know, when you received praise, then it really like fed a part of you that maybe over time had been underdeveloped or just lacking and so it's like it's like the famine mentality like you're you want to keep eating from that source because it, it feels good it yeah, feels right yeah, yeah. um but I think there's probably other people too who in the way that they deal with insecurity is like it shuts them down right so for you you kind of I think you met it head-on and then there was there was a there was a negative side to it because of uh, when you received praise, and I think that could have negatively or painfully impacted you. But there's others who, because of insecurity, they're in a in ministry role, and they don't have thick skin, right? And, and so that kind of shuts you down or keeps you from really doing what God called you to. Um, my question isn't so much like, well, which way is better? Or how do you deal with this way versus that way? But more, uh, because it, it can look so differently for different people. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do we or how do you how have you seen it yourself? Um, identify this as an area to grow in, like to yep. identify that insecurity in yourself, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that you can go and receive counseling, as you yep. said, um, to kind of work through these things. Let the Lord really redeem these parts of you and restore these parts of you, yep. because I think that that self knowledge or understanding who you are. And, and how it affects you in your ministry is, is really like the first step to receiving the, the restoration that you need. So I, I'm curious how you've seen that in your own life and then um, Maybe we can segue that also to how have you seen that in the leaders you encounter because you encounter so many different leaders all yeah. over the place who um, lead well in a lot of different ministries, but also probably deal with or not just probably definitely deal with insecurity in their own ways. And so, you know, what are some general principles that either you've experienced or you would recommend to others to identify like, what are those areas of insecurity that, that we yeah. need to
2: let the Lord work in? John, I realize a lot of times is once you have to be self-aware, all right, you have to sit there and say, these are the areas that I'm not really good at. These are the areas I really struggle. With. These are my heart issues. And you got to come face to face. And once you come face to face, do you want to do anything about it? And if you don't, then okay, there's nothing we could do. But if you want to do something about it, How do you repair yourself? How do you rebuild your altar? That was the one thing I was talking about recently, John. And you have to surround yourself with different people who speak truth into your life. For instance, one one person who did that very well in my life is our founding chairman Resource Global, Greg Howe of Intervarsity. I love Greg Howe. He sat there and he said to me and before our entire board, Tommy, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. You have a great heart. You would do anything for anyone, but you run this organization like a Chinese family. You bring young people and you take on different people, but at the same time, when they don't do well, or when you have to make hard decisions, you're not willing to do it because you're a people pleaser. You have to learn and grow in that area. Jay and John, I'm terrible at this. And so as a result this year, I had to put myself, I had to bring together a senior executive team I had to bring together a chief operating officer. I promoted our friend Kent as our chief of staff. Donna was brought in as our senior, project, uh, senior assistant to really be able to, they are better at evaluating when I have to let people go, hard decisions I have to make, and they push me to make those decisions. Versus a lot of times, if if you if I hire you, you weren't doing a good job. Oh, they need the money; they'll be okay and all that stuff. I never confronted you, never talked anything about you, and so they'll push me and says you need to address these behavior or you need to let them go, because I always wanted to make sure that I sought the approval of different people. I didn't want to say the hard things, and so I had to learn that over time as well too. And I would probably say it takes time to do all these things. Look, John Jay, I mean, even back in the days, I wanted you guys to like me. And so a lot of times I would, but I realized I, I had to learn to say tough things. We're still your friends, but I had to say the tough, that had to be developed over time. And so a lot of times I would say, hey, find different people who are good at areas that you're not and let them push you and let them seek the example and help them grow in those areas.
1: Yeah, I, I like that you said, you know, finding people who will speak truth into your life, and then also being self-aware. And I, I think that that's that can be really hard for you know, especially as I'm thinking about being in ministry. A lot who are, a lot of us who are in Chinese heritage churches who might not have a lot of other people who who can speak truth into our lives, or who are available for that. We don't have maybe you know people that we can we can really lean into or lean on or trust in. Uh, And then, you know, being self-aware, I I think sometimes it can just be hard because we're so busy and we're so, you know, our, our nose is to the ground so often. Um, But I do think it's important for us to have these things. What are some ways or what are, what do you, what have you seen in terms of a leader who maybe doesn't have these safeguards in place or who doesn't have maybe people to speak into their lives? Like what happens when somebody doesn't have you know, self-awareness, what, what, where have you seen insecurity really, um, impact a ministry both negatively and positively, if, if that's possible, like, yeah, what's that look like?
2: And I find a lot of times when they struggle with that insecurity, they, I I do find they make it all about them. They always just want all the attention on them. They want instant control, all of the secure leader is the one that's okay when someone else gets the credit they don't always need to get all of the credit. It's okay if they get blamed for something because it's a learning process that you work with. See, the insecure leaders always want things perfect and perfection, all these different things. It's always about them. That's the one thing I realize about those things is uh, finding secure leader is someone who just allows people to thrive, is always willing to talk about how good other people is. And if it fails, you don't take that personally, all of that stuff. And I know he's not Chinese, but the one person I think who did it really well was Tim Keller. He did it exceedingly well. And I remember sitting him at one event that I did with him and he sat with a young leader and someone said to him, Tim, how does it feel when people, when you get all these speaking engagements, when you're a celebrity? And he says you should never feel comfortable when someone worships you and he talked about all his failures early on in his ministries and all that. and he says it was during those failures that i became secure in who i was and that i was a servant mm-hmm. of christ and now was a child of christ so now when all the book came in all the speaking engagements in it doesn't phase me because god had really been to, i was secure in who i was that was the journey that god led me on and I look at my life and all the failures and all the hardships and all the things I dealt with, it humbled me and grounded me. So when all these good things are happening now, I don't get caught up in it because I know what it means to be down in the dumpers and really be able to feel that way.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe my, my follow-up to that would just be, um, whether from your own life or from, from others, uh, or, or maybe what you would encourage someone who's in ministry, you know, like, if I'm if I'm struggling with insecurity in who I am and what God has called me to, like what are what are some ways for me to practically really develop a secure uh, identity in Christ um, that you know really to serve out of that to have that as the foundation of of my ministry and and how I serve because I think in some ways Tommy I know you're a very proactive person. And uh, you'll you'll seek that out. You really long for that. So I think proactively, what are th- ways that people can can seek that sec- security in Christ? And then, but there's others who they learn because because they're insecure. The Lord's going to bring situations into their life, maybe to remind them, like, "Hey, your identity is in Me, not in what you do." Yeah. And so that's almost like a reactive way of coming to the same thing and so uh, i'm just curious if if there's what are some proactive things you can think of that people can can do or you've seen modeled well um
2: you know uh, just to really root yourself john the best thing that i've learned from that works well for me is i make sure that it is not all about me that I make sure that when I work with the team, it's always about the team. I talk about the contributions of the team. I talk about so-and-so. I talk about what a great person so-and-so. I make sure so-and-so gets the credit. I make sure that women leader, that male leader, that young leader, that person are placed in the best position to succeed. And I actively and proactively ensure all that happens. That's one of the reasons why I love the one, uh, working with young leaders, because you see if they have self a certain motivation, they could do anything. Now it's helping them to really be able to explore and figure out who they are. And for me, proactively co- create a se- uh, sense for them to find success in what they do, allow them to thrive, allow them to learn, but at the same time, if you're the team leader, when things go wrong, you're the one taking the hits for it. When the mm. team makes a bad decision, I as a leader takes the hit for it. And then from that point, on, you use it as a teaching opportunity to say, hey, look, what happened there? Let's look at the options. What can we do better on those different things? So I find myself, John and Jay, I am proactively, constantly really pushing that all the time. And I will probably say the one area that I really make sure that we do this with is female leaders. They are so talented. And I'm not even talking about complementarian and egalitarian. Guys, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about mutual respect for our sisters in Christ. Mm. How do I, as a leader, serve them well by putting them in a position to succeed? And so for me, a lot of times doing that allows me to keep myself grounded.
1: That's good. John, I, I was going to ask you that question too. I think, you know, for you being in ministry now, you know, in, in a few different places and for the number of years that you have, mm. what have you found to be helpful in fighting off insecurity, overcoming that sense of insecurity in ministry?
0: I forget who said this to me. Um, I think it was in a class, probably the first time I heard it though. I've heard it uh, many times over the years. Um, but yeah, in a, in a class at Moody that we just have to constantly remind ourselves that this is not my ministry like Mm -hmm. i uh you know this is not my young adult group or my church or my like we have to remind ourselves these ministries these churches that we serve in are they belong to jesus and our role is to steward and shepherd the calling and the people that he's entrusted to us um but ultimately it's not about our glory right it's not about us having you know building our own kingdoms but but constantly that awareness of like i am proclaiming the kingdom of jesus and i want to see his name made known um and i think part of that is what tommy described which is you know giving credit to the other people on your team and leading well like because i think that's the way of jesus right empowering others to to do well and to to lead well, and and so I think if we're constantly reminding ourselves to like, okay, the the focus should not be on me, but it should be on Christ. Um, you know, uh, like like less of me, more of Jesus. Like that should be our that should be our um, resonate with us deeply in, in everything that we do. Um, and then I think maybe just another uh, on the flip side of that, right? Because I feel like I've also um, been in a place where I've experienced the insecurity that leads to paralysis, right? That it it gets so hard to, um, like take things so personally that it kind of like can, can, um, just bring to a complete halt, you know, uh, my, I don't know, like either desire to do ministry or just like, I get so consumed with, with that, that pain, um, that, I have to remind myself, you know, people who might be upset or frustrated with me, like, while I have to, like you said, Tommy, I have to take responsibility for my own mistakes. But if it's not a mistake, if it's just like something that people don't like about my personality or about a decision I made, then I, I can't just like live or die by their criticism, um, especially if it's unwarranted or unfounded, right? Like, like, I have to remind myself: this is not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. Like you said, and this is uh, about Jesus, and and so that frees me to to I think serve, uh, in a way that is not, um, bound by other people's opinion or other people's feedback. You know, I, I hope that made sense. Um, but yeah, what what about for you, Jalen? I, I know like again this is a conversation that uh, we've probably all wrestled with at some point or constantly have to wrestle with. So what are some practical ways that, that you've, you know, uh, really approach this or try to tackle this in your own life?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's something that we constantly struggle with because, and, and probably for, for many of us who, who've grown up in sort of the immigrant home, we kind of import that desire to please our parents um, to work out of, you know, a desire to achieve much, uh, for the, for the name of our family or for, you know, for our parents. And I think flipping that a little bit and finding that our joy ultimately comes in being, um, in the Lord, right. Mm -hmm. Just as you're saying, like our identity needs to be rooted in Jesus. And the more that we recognize and know that, you know, we are, of course, as you said, just serving the Lord, that this is his church and his kingdom, uh, but also recognizing that our identity is in Christ. Like my joy does not come from, you know, the people who, you know, applaud me or my joy doesn't come from a successful ministry program or, you know, growing, you know, a larger church or, you know, more disciples or more baptisms, but it comes from my identity in Jesus that he Mm. loves me and accepts me. And he calls me his child. And as you said, the the opportunity to steward um, and serve in his ministry, allowing that to be a joy, I think, frees us from these insecurities. And I think of even just, you know, in, in preaching, right. If, if we're consumed by how other people think of us, we're writing sermons then, to preach in a way that would please them Mm -hmm. or we're writing sermons in a way that would, you know, feed, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, I'm trying to be entertaining. I'm trying to be whatever. And we get away from truly preaching the word of God. And so I think that, you know, insecurity, we, we should be able to identify those as Tommy was saying, like self-awareness. If you're, if you're finding that you're writing your sermons for these, you know, that person in the pew, uh, that's a problem, right? You're not, you're not focused on, on proclaiming the word of God rightly mm-hmm. and accurately, but if there's truly joy in the Lord, I think that frees us up in so many ways to serve out of um, a heart that is joyful, uh, to serve out of a heart that is ready to um, love people, not for what they can give to us, but yeah. um, the way that, that God loves them.
2: But Jalen John, I'm not sure about you guys, but even going back to your sermon illustration, it's not only just preaching the way to please people, but I find a lot of times after the sermon, I'll replay areas that I could have improved on over and over and over and over again. And I could just sit there and just beat it to death. And nobody knows exactly I messed up. I know I messed up. I just replay it all the time. And that becomes my insecure self. They're sitting there Hey, what am I doing here? Why did I just do that? So those are some of the questions I have to ask myself.
0: Oh, man, Tommy, you are preaching to the choir right now because I feel like that's me. I, in some ways, it's been good that we record every sermon now because I do think maybe much like a our favorite NFL or NBA teams, you go back and watch the game film to improve. Because there are areas where you know, preaching is a craft and we have to improve and steward the gift and the calling that God has given us. And then we have to remind ourselves also that the work of transformation doesn't belong to us. And so that's not the part that we control or are responsible for, that's a work of the Holy spirit, but there is a part, uh, you know, where we do have to go back and, and grow and improve. But I, I agree with you because sometimes that there's a fine line between, I'm going to rewatch this so that I can, like, so I can grow versus I'm replaying this in my head over and over again, because I can't get over a mistake that I made. And I I've experienced that this year. Uh, I've talked about it on the podcast, I think this year. So, Um, I really resonate with that, you know, and before so before Jalen, I know you're you're going to move us on to the next question. But I wanted to give a quick plug because I was thinking as both of you were talking um, again, like trying to rack my brain on like what has really been formative for me in this area of having my worth and my security found in Jesus and rooted in Jesus. I wanted to just give a quick plug for an article that one of my mentors gave to me years ago. And the article is called Moving from Solitude to Community to Ministry um, by Henry Nowen. It's a very well-known article. I think probably many people have read it if you've gone to seminary or you've, you know, done any sort of leading in ministry. It's something that I always made my youth leaders read. I've made my um, young adult leaders read um, in in this season of ministry. And I think that article, uh, I try to reread it. At least once a year, um, and keep coming back to it because it keeps reminding me of this truth: that that what I do externally in ministry starts with who I am with the Lord. That my me knowing my belovedness in Jesus is is the foundation of all uh, of everything that I want to do. And so, I I just want to give a plug: if you haven't read that, if you're a listener, you haven't read that article. I would highly recommend it to you. Look it up, read it with your teams, uh, read it for yourself. But yeah, it's called moving from solitude to community, to ministry by Henry Nellen.
2: but John Jay, can I actually say one thing and hopefully here's the one thing is as much as we're humble and all that and we're secure in who we are is I, I say this with the grain of salt is I've struggled that I still have to learn to promote and share about what I'm doing. And the reason I say this is in this day and age, as Asians, we feel uncomfortable sharing about what we've done. But I see ministry leaders who have no problem trying to create their platform. And when they try to create their platform, they actually end up gaining the book deals, the speaking gigs and all that other stuff. And especially for me raising money, many of those guys end up getting the donor dollars versus me. I get ding because we don't know who you are. You don't have any social media presence or anything like that. So I struggle with that because as an Asian I'm sitting there. well, I'm supposed to put my head down, work hard, and do all these different things, make others first. But I've also had to learn how to communicate what I did because there are some people who communicate what they do, and I have no idea what they do. But yet have to get all the money and to get all this stuff. So it, it, it's been... It's been a learning journey for me as well too, Jay. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's interesting. we've talked about this podcast before about self promotion being sort of the cardinal sin for for, yeah. like for Chinese Americans, yeah, Chinese people, yeah. right? How does that? How do your your position is a little bit different? You're you're raising money, you're fundraising, and so in a lot of ways, you do have to do some self promotion. You have to promote your organization. How do you find uh, for you know, for Chinese heritage churches, what's a healthy way of, um, self, maybe not self-promotion, but, uh, communicating what you're doing, who you are in a Christ honoring way. Uh, but that is, that is helpful for the kingdom. You know, I, I, and I think of, okay. So the way that I think about it is, uh, like a lot of our websites and Chinese heritage churches are, uh, I was going to use a different word, but they're not very helpful, right? They're just, uh, they're kind of they're kind of dated or you know just not very not very appealing um, and that's 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 a form of self promotion that should I think be touched up a bit. But what are some ways you would help counsel like Chinese heritage churches? Like here's hel- here are some healthy ways uh, to do that in a Christ honoring way um, that doesn't necessarily you know violate our You know asian sensibilities
2: yeah 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 hey challenge you said it correctly john don't you feel like all asian churches sometimes their websites are the same they give you a lot of information more information does that mean it's good so in some sense especially now in these days rio instagram less on the website on the website you have Basic information, very clean, very simple. But use your social media, especially Instagram and LinkedIn and all that stuff. Share stories of the contributions of your church. Tell stories of church members. Share about how people are making impact. All of that. It doesn't have to be your teaching, your preaching, all these things. But share about the impact of your high school ministry, your youth ministry, all these different things. And then once in a while, share some thoughts and share a sermon on other things.
0: And we've been talking about this topic for a while now. So maybe we'll kind of um, bring it to a close here, not with our last question, but uh, our last question on this topic of insecurity. Um, you know, because you've spent time in the Chinese Heritage Church context, Jalen and I are both in that now. Um, do you feel like culturally there are some factors that contribute more? to leadership and security than others, uh, or things that we need to be more aware of that are maybe blind spots for us because we're in the Chinese Heritage Church. Yeah, I know you you talked about some of them already a little bit, but anything else that comes to mind?
2: The key thing, John, be open to your weaknesses, share openly about your weaknesses, be okay with your weaknesses. That's who God created you to be. And so a lot of times talk to them about your weaknesses. Hey guys, I'm not good at these things. Here's some of the things I'm dealing with and all this stuff. Just be part of that journey. Yeah, I think a lot of times with pastors, I feel like they, we will try to be all things to all people and feel like we have to be good at all these things and we feel the pressure of it. It's okay if you're not good at certain things. Yeah, here's one story of a pastor that I'm dealing, with I talk with as well too. As uh, this particular pastor was, Dealing with a lot of insecurities, all of that stuff. And um, only to be found out 20 years later that he is now dealing with pornography. And every single time he dealt with those insecurities, he would dive into pornography until one day his wife found out and he's had to leave the ministry, all of those different things. And the one lesson that he learned as he looked back is I had to learn how to be open with my weaknesses, that it was okay to be weak. And it, I, I was always trying to be strong. I kept telling myself, I have to be strong, I have to be strong, I have to be strong. And I never addressed some of the weaknesses in my life.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if we were to use vocabulary that was maybe very familiar for us in the Chinese heritage church context, it would probably be the, the phrase like saving face, right? Yeah. Like we yeah. were taught so often culturally, well, whether explicitly taught or implicitly have been taught this, that we need a safe face, like we don't want, we want to put our best foot forward, I guess. Um, and yeah, like you said, that can lead to some really um, disastrous places, right? Painful, yeah. destructive places when we don't bring things into the light um, and we leave them in the darkness because we think it's better to present ourselves as, you know, well put together or strong or, or whatever you want to fill in the blank there. And I do think that is like uh, maybe maybe more common in in our church context, um, and so yeah, I, I really appreciate that that warning, that reminder.
2: Yeah, and John and Jay, I think a lot of times as much as the three of us are men doing it, is we got to encourage women to also openly talk about their and come alongside with them and allow them to really be able to share and be vulnerable as well too. How do you continue to build up female leaders? We always talk about male leaders, all that stuff. We gotta do a better job of allowing female leaders that it's okay to fail. It's okay to make a mistake, but then at the same time, we're always supporting, we're always cheering each other on.
1: Well, Tommy, as we wrap up the podcast, we ask the same question. I, I think it might be helpful that, to maybe tweak it a little bit, but what's one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone in the Chinese heritage church that's maybe struggling with some insecurity? What would you what would you encourage them with?
2: The one thing, guys. I mean, John and Jay. It is. It is a process. It is not going to be. Look. It's been how many years? Twenty something years that I've been dealing. Thirty something years that I've been dealing with all these things. Little bit each time. Little bit each day. You choose to continue to follow Christ. You choose to see Christ in the midst of all these different things. It's like Zacchaeus who climbs up a tree and he's he looks ridiculous and everyone's pointing at him, but somehow in a distance he sees Jesus. You and I have to continue to see Jesus every single day and continue to follow Christ and choose Christ each and every single day. And one of the best things that I learned for me when I, during my cancer journey is resource global started the first cohort in Indonesia. And I was diagnosed with cancer and I was gone the majority of that time, but it wasn't and resource global grew so much while I was gone. And it was as if god reminded me tommy i don't need you to be able to start this ministry Mm -hmm. i could grow this ministry without you Mm -hmm. don't ever get so cute to think that you're the one responsible for all this i have never forgotten that lesson as a result it always has been about others first Mm -hmm. how do i continue to build the ministry upon the talents and the gifting of the entire body and never on timely. And I am just a tiny peg that facilitates all these conversations, but look at what God continues to do through all these leaders.
0: That's a good word, Tommy, we love it. Thank you again for hanging out with us on the podcast. We're thankful for your friendship, uh, the sponsorship for the podcast, but but even more than that, we're also very thankful for just the kingdom work that you continue to do with Resource Global and and the other ministries preaching and teaching that, that we know that you're engaged in. Um, yeah. So, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We'll look forward to the next time we have you on. Um, I know you've been dreaming of that fantasy football episode uh, for the podcast. So we'll we'll put that in in our show notes to <laughs> to think about that. Maybe an off season, you know, summer fun episode or something.
2: Well, I I will probably say, guys, as we wrap up here, uh, I am doing what I'm doing at Resource Global because of my time with you guys and Jenny with uh, your wife, Jay, and all that stuff. Working with those college students and working with the high school students laid the foundation for everything that I was doing. Working with you guys allowed me to work out the kinks. I didn't know how to be a leader. I didn't know how to invest in people. I didn't know how to have hard conversations. I didn't know how to build a team. I didn't know any of those things. For those nine years, you guys allowed me to fail and figure those things out. And so I merely just took those lessons and applied it to what I'm doing at Resource Global. So I will forever, ever, ever be grateful for that. Thanks, Tommy.
0: That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.